Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Happy days are here again. Yep, the results of last night are in, and it is a blue wave nationwide. What do you say? Hello, everybody. Wednesday, November 8th. Yep, uh, all of you, uh, a lot of you were nervous. Well, uh, today, this morning, last night, could all celebrate. Put your nerve, uh, nervous Nellie's. Uh, whatever behind you uh, and just celebrate the fact that uh, Democrats uh, had a rousing victory in Virginia, in New Jersey, in Washington State and all across the land. Great to see you today. It is the uh, Bill Press Show here to celebrate with you and to bring you up to date on the latest news. Yes, the results of those special elections yesterday uh, and also uh, what it means for our analysis of what it means for Donald Trump and for Republicans moving forward into 2018. And meanwhile, Donald Trump in South Korea continuing his saber rattling against uh, North Korea as he moves on to China uh, as well. Uh, I forgot to mention a big victory up in New York City for our good friend, Mayor Bill de Blasio, the first Democrat uh, reelected to a second term. Uh, as mayor of New York in, uh, I don't know, I forget, decades, decades. And, and Boston. And Boston. Marty Walsh That's right. coming through as well. Right. Um, big victories for our two good friends up there. Uh, and the New Yorker out with the latest article on how far Harvey Weinstein was uh, willing to go to silence and suppress those women who accused him of sexual assault and even rape. All of that coming up. Your comments welcome. Let's hear from you what you think about the news of the day at BP Show. But first, this is the Full Court Press. What do you got there? Just a couple of other stories making news. As you just mentioned, it was a big night for Ralph Northam in Virginia. He beat Ed Gillespie by nine points. Not helpful. Donald Trump Jr. yesterday at 8.02 a.m. tweeted out. Remember, this was yesterday. The day of the election, Donald Trump Jr., the dumbest Trump, tweeted yes. out, let's take Ed Gillespie across the finish line tomorrow. Virginia, oh. get out and vote for Ed and to- the entire uh, GOP ticket. So he tomorrow. told them to go vote. On today. 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 <laughs> Not yesterday, but today. Well, you know how much they love November 8th. 
oh, the day yeah. that, that his yeah. father was elected. I and... think he just thinks every election happens on November 8th. I mean, Donald Trump Jr. is without a doubt the dumbest Trump. Is there any argument there? No. Well, no. Eric hasn't talked much lately. Eric hasn't talked much. But Donald just puts, Donald Tr- Jr. just puts all this insane, weird stuff out there, conspiracy. And we don't know enough about Tiffany. Do you think maybe he wrote it the night before and then forgot to send it? Yeah, okay. maybe. But like, but if that happens, you still gotta you dumb. gotta fix that. Yes, yeah, right. it's still the yeah. tweet is still up. By the way, uh, he hasn't bothered fixing it. <laughs> hey, what do you get for the person in your life who has everything this holiday season? Well, you get a hand woven Carol Press scarf. Well, you could do that. <laughs> you could certainly do that. You go you to the Bill Marijuana. You go to the Bill Press Show website and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and click on the Carol Press link. You could do that. <laughs> or Hidden Valley Ranch has announced that they are selling kegs of ranch dressing. Five liter kegs of ranch dressing. You could nope. buy it for $50, and they promise that that should be about a year's worth of ranch dressing. If we get rancid, wouldn't it after like about a month? I, I I guess not. I think that they keep it locked in this Ranch case. does not expire, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think ranch goes bad. I mean, maybe it does. Maybe I could be wrong. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Hidden Valley's mini kegs are 10 inches high by 6 inches wide. They're stackable, and they're lined with a special FDA-approved coating <laughs> that keeps the contents fresh and adorned with their giant logo. Again, it's $50 a piece, and they say that it should last you a year. Uh, okay, I got to it. A little jar of ranch dressing <laughs> would last me probably 25 years. Yeah, I grew up from ranch. Eat, it's, more, eat uh, more ranch. Adults shouldn't eat ranch. Eat no, more ranch dressing, no, apparently. No, no. no ranch. <laughs> on your radio, on TV, and online. This is the Bill Press Show. How sweet it is. One year after uh, America made the big mistake of electing Donald Trump, America turns back to the Democrats for leadership and Democrats romp through last night's elections nationwide. Uh, They're calling it the blue wave, and indeed it is. Hey, hello, everybody. Yep, pop the champagne early this morning. Good to see you. Thank you for joining us. Washington, D.C. is where we start out, ending up with you wherever you are in this great land of ours. Alongside of you uh, online, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Looking at you on free speech, on television, on free speech TV. And joining you in Radio Land out in the greater Chicago area on the WCPT, the progressive foghorn of Chicago and uh, in Indianapolis and in Indiana on Indiana Talks. Hello, hello, hello. Great to see you. Uh, Remember, Two-Way Street, we'll tell you what's going on, give you our take on the news of the day, but look forward to hearing from you and what you think about uh, what happened yesterday The uh, uh, across the board. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Uh, Also, let's talk one more time about the Patreon thing. It's so exciting. We're very, really into putting together this whole story of the uh, Bernie Sanders campaign, uh, of which I was very much a part of uh, in its early days, getting it started, the incipient stages uh, actually happening in uh, our living room over Carol's Beef Stew. You can hear the whole story, uh, plus um, the take of Tad Devine, who is the chief strategist in the campaign, uh, Larry Cohen, who is the uh, first labor leader to uh, endorse uh, 
uh, Senator Sanders, Mike Briggs, his former press secretary who traveled with him all throughout the land, uh, and others as well, uh, and Peter, to sign up. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, <laughs> patreon.com slash BP show. This week, later on this week, we're going to be dropping our episode, Your Conversation with Nina Turner, uh, who played a big, big role in Bernie Sanders. As uh, Ohio State Senator, and now she's uh, head of the revolution. Yeah, our revolution. revolution, yeah. So there's some good stuff there, uh, more good stuff coming, <laughs> so go check it out, patreon.com slash BP show. Indeed. Yep. Uh Election news, the biggest story of the day, uh, Donald Trump immediately following up Ed Gillespie's loss by throwing him under the bus. Uh, a stunning, shocking uh, follow-up article in The New Yorker by Ronan Farrow about all oh what, what lengths that Harvey Weinstein was willing to go to suppress any stories coming from women who accused him of sexual harassment or a sexual assault or worse. Uh, and at least one... Brave Democrat in the House of Representatives, our good friend Ted Lieu refuses to uh, stand up or sit down or whatever for another yet another moment of silence and no action uh, on gun safety. But let's start. Last night, yep, indeed, it was a colossal win uh, both in New, Jer- in New Jersey and Virginia. But let's start in Virginia because that was the toughest of all. Uh, that's the purple state, not the blue state. Uh, all the polls showed, uh, and a lot of people around were here were here and in Virginia, very, very nervous. Uh, Ralph Northam held the lead throughout, but it really tightened at the very end. He's the Democratic candidate, of course, Dr. Ralph Northam. Uh, all the latest polls showed two points either way, two points Gillespie, two points Northam. It, it looked like it was going to be a real, real squeaker. It was not. Hillary Clinton Carried Virginia last year by five votes, five points. Ralph Northam won it by nine points yesterday. Uh, just to give you one example of one county, Loudoun County, which is right across the river and then beyond. You know, it's like two, two, maybe even three counties uh, just outside of Washington. Uh, in um, 2013, uh, Terry McAuliffe won Loudoun County by five points. It's a, it's a conservative. Part of conservative part of Virginia, beginning of the conservative part of Virginia. Ralph Northam last night won Loudoun County by 20 points. Jesus. That's how uh, the state has turned, and that's how uh, Ralph Northam, um, that, that shows his appeal even in the rural part of the state. Um, it was, uh, it's a very, very one-sided thing, and a re- total, the big winner, if the big winner in Virginia was Ralph Northam, and, and he is, the big loser in Virginia is Donald Trump. The big loser yesterday nationwide was Donald Trump. The, the results in Washington State, in Massachusetts, in Charlotte, North Carolina, in Virginia and New Jersey were a repudiation of the ugly, divisive politics of Donald Trump. It's, it was the first test for Donald Trump as president in major uh, statewide elections. It was the first test of how well his policies are sitting with sub- particularly suburban voters, uh, typically Republican voters, and they all said, we don't like this. And, and Ed Gillespie tried to, uh, Ed Gillespie, who's an establishment Republican, was in the George Bush White House, former Republican national chair. He is Mr. Establishment Republican, but he decided to run a Trumpy campaign, but, and it was sort of like, but he wouldn't invite Donald Trump in because he knows he's toxic 
So instead, he he uh, adopted Donald Trump's tactics. You know, he went out there and attacked the NFL players who took a knee. He went out there and defended the Confederate monuments. He went out there and and attacked all immigrants and considered and called them all criminals and accused Ralph Northam, a pediatrician, of being for child pornography. I mean, ugly, ugly, racist, ugly stuff. It was what they call it, Trumpism without Trump, and it failed miserably. That, that I think, is is the biggest takeaway for uh, this election is, look— Ed Gillespie is not Donald Trump, and no. Donald Trump is the only person that can run as Donald Trump. And I've said this for a while now this year. You're going to see a lot of Republicans that are going to come out and try and run as Donald Trump. And realistically, the only person who can run as Donald Trump is Donald Trump. And the thing that Ed Gillespie tried to do, which I think was going to be the blueprint for Republicans in coming elections, was yeah. to try and run as someone who's gotten stuff done, some sort of establishment yeah, candidate, but, but to interject the politics of Donald Trump into that message. And people don't want and it. And people don't want it. Nope. He got destroyed last night. Yeah. He got yeah. destroyed. Yeah. I mean, he lost by almost double digits in Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, no. It's a, it re, it's a repudiation of Donald Trump and Donald Trump's poli- pardon me, policies. And Donald Trump's rhetoric and Donald Trump's politics, people don't want it. That's why he's only got a 36% approval rating. And believe me, that Virginia alone should be a warning bell, a wake-up call, whatever you want to call it, for Republicans heading into 2018. Republicans could have won in Virginia. They could have won in Virginia. Right, right. Because let's be honest, Ralph Northam was not a spectacular candidate. In fact, I mean, he was he was like our Jeb Bush. He was Mr. Low Energy. Sure. You know, uh, and um, for people in Northern California, Northern Virginia, he comes from down on the Eastern Shore. He's got a Southern Virginia accent that, that maybe unfairly jarred a lot of people. You yeah. know, didn't sound like he lived in Arlington or Alexandria, right, or Washington. Uh, but still... He plowed through, and, and again, Ed Gillespie and Donald Trump got destroyed. The other good news in Virginia, a lot of good news. Virginia also elected a Democratic lieutenant governor, the first African-American elected statewide in Virginia since Douglas Wilder uh, was the governor of Virginia, uh, lieutenant governor Justin Fairfax, and uh, reelected uh, Mark Herring as the attorney general, despite, again, a very uh, that's the other thing about Ed, Ed Gillespie. His campaign, his campaign ads were so disgustingly negative and divisive. They even were condemned by a lot of Republicans. John Adams, <clears throat> how'd he get that name? Also running a very ugly campaign against Mark Herring for Attorney General. Uh, the Democrat Mark Herring won handily as well. And if you then, watch the ads of that of that oh, race, by the are. way, it's almost more surprising that Mark Herring won than Ralph yeah. Northam winning. Yeah, so. no, because they were they were really it's brutal. brutal, but. Uh, the other good news is in the state legislature, um, Tom Perez, the uh, Democratic chair, was in yesterday and said Democrats had to win about 17 seats to take over the, st- the House of Delegates. Well, they have clearly won, picked up, Democrats picked up 14 seats last night uh, in Virginia. And there are four more that are still being counted. 
So Democrats could end up with control of the House of Delegates. They don't have it yet. I think right now it's actually it's tied like 48-48, uh, but there are four seats that are still up for grabs. Uh, and one of those is a historic seat, uh, a woman by the name of Danica Rome, who beat out a longtime 36-year incumbent, Bob Marshall, uh, that's this that one in, feels good. That in and of itself is good. is uh, is history and good news. But the bigger news is Danica Rome becomes the first transgender person to serve in the Virginia House of Delegates, and Bob Marshall was a self-described homophobe. It was Bob Marshall who wanted Virginia to pass the bathroom bill like North Carolina did. He was the author of it. Yeah, he was the sponsor of that legislation. He is an outright homophobic bigot, uh, Bob Marshall. And this young transgender woman beat that crap out of him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even close. Uh, Just a huge, huge uh, upset. So uh, good, good, good for... uh, uh, for the, the first wave, part of the blue wave, if you will, uh, in Virginia. A resounding victory and a resounding repudiation of Donald Trump. I don't, I don't want to steal too much of your thunder here, but there's a good rundown of just how massive the blue wave was last night. Fourteen House of Delegate seats were flipped to Democrats in Virginia. Yep. Obviously, Ralph Northam, Justin Fairfax, Mark Herring, you talked about that. Um all around the country, New Jersey, North Carolina, New Hampshire, Florida, Massachusetts, New York, Georgia, Michigan, all saw Democratic pickups from mayor to governor to House districts to, I mean, you name it. Yeah. It was a gigantic night for Democrats. The only real victory that Republicans can point to last night is the per- the man who was running to replace uh, uh, Jason Chaffetz in Utah won. It was just basically all Republicans running. Anyway, yeah, I, so. I mean, pretty much, pretty <laughs> oh, much. I mean, like oh, it was all Republicans. Oh. So, like a Republican won oh. Jason Chaffetz. Oh, a Republican won in Utah. Yeah, Duh. shock, shocking, shock. Yeah, but right. it, it, you know, the right. other thing that I, I, I want to mention is just it's a huge night for democracy in general. If there's one thing you can say about Donald Trump is that he has encouraged people to go to the polls in an off year, as Ray noted to me, Virginia voting up sixteen percent from 2013. Yeah, that's it, remarkable. It's an it's an incredible number. And by the way, if yeah. you if you voted yesterday, tweet at us. Let us know. Yeah. We'll read it yeah. later on the show sure. on air. Yeah. Be proud of your vote. Uh, know somebody else that that voted and and had a key effect in some of these some of these big races. Let us know. Tweet at us at BP Show. Right. Uh, so uh, here it was last night uh, in uh, uh, sticking in Virginia for just uh, to Virginia for just a little bit. Uh, Ed Gillespie um, uh, graciously uh, conceding. As I said throughout the course of this campaign, Governor-elect Northam is a good man and I appreciate his service to our country and our commonwealth and I wish him nothing but the best success as our 73rd governor. And Ralph Northam for his, uh, for his part uh, saying uh, we uh, a big win, sending a message. Virginia has told us to end the divisiveness that we will not condone hatred and bigotry. And you know, I, Ralph Northam was very, very uh, uh, good in his win. Ed Gillespie, I just want to say, uh, you know, Ed Gillespie is a good man, and Ed Gillespie uh, ran a good campaign, but... <laughs> I'm so glad he lost. It's so good to hear him be a loser. By the way, Trump supporters have already started calling him low-energy Ed. <laughs> Yeah. Hello, Jeb Bush. Jeb no. Gillespie. Ed Gillespie is a good man. He ran a 
horrible campaign. Awful campaign. Horrible campaign. Awful campaign. Shameful campaign. Uh, Ralph Northam also, doctor, Dr. Ralph Northam saying, doctor's in for the next four years. This doctor will be on call for the next four years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh, now, they did also discussing, but funny part of uh, last night's win in Virginia was, uh, let me tell you, uh, the networks had barely called Virginia before Donald Trump threw Ed Gillespie under the bus. Remember, Donald Trump, First of all, he, he's got a he's got a golf course in Virginia. He visited the golf course in Virginia like 15 times so far this year. He never did one event, not one, for Ed Gillespie. Never appeared with Ed Gillespie because Ed Gillespie did not want to be seen no. in public with Donald Trump. But behind the scenes, Donald Trump was tweeting for Ed Gillespie up to the very, very end. And actually, yesterday morning... And the uh, night before and yesterday morning, uh, Virginia Republicans answered their phone uh, and they hear this voice from the White House. Hello, this is President Donald Trump. And so importantly, I need you to vote for Ed Gillespie to be your new governor of Virginia. Uh, So importantly, so importantly, yeah. And as soon as the election results were in, Donald Trump from South Korea tweeted out, Ed Gillespie did not embrace did not embrace me or what I stand for. Therefore, basically, dot dot dot. He deserved to lose. Yeah. He's a scumbag. I don't want anything to do with him. I had nothing to do with him. Oh yes, he did. Oh yes, he did. Again, Ed Gillespie, as much as he tried to distance himself from Trump personally while adopting his policies, repudiated by the voters of Virginia, and that was a vote against. Donald Trump. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. By the way, one but, other one other story out of Virginia because I know we got to move on. There's so much good news to cover. Uh, yeah, uh, but you might remember a couple of years ago there was that horrible shooting that happened where the newswoman was shot yes. on air yes. with her yes. cameraman. Yes. Uh, well, her fiance ran for office. Hmm. Uh, and one of the things he pointed out was we're going to have stricter gun control here in Virginia. We're not going to have people running around. Well, he won last night. He unseated the the incumbent, uh, uh, just Joseph Yost. He was running for uh, the House of Delegates House in Virginia. Of delegates? His yeah, name, right. what's that? Yeah. Oh, right, his name is Chris Hurst. Chris Hurst. He yeah. is the uh, delegate elect for Virginia. Good for him. Good for him I, for uh, doing the right thing. I would also like to point out Donald Trump is on a two-game losing streak. <laughs> His candidate Luther Strange in Alabama Luther? lost. Of course. Oh yeah. Luther. No. This, and now Ed Gillespie. This on top of they, they, Alabama. I would like to point out, just to make it clear, they were. His candidates. They were. Regardless of whether or not oh, yeah. they they truly invoked the Trumpism, that 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 is so so called sweeping the nation, he claimed those candidates. He's on a two game losing streak. Yeah. Donald Trump. Right. Uh, and I would say a three game because New Jersey was his candidate as well. He sure. didn't do as much, but Kim Gordano, who was Chris Christie's lieutenant governor, God, I feel sorry for her being stuck with that with that anchor around your neck. How could that? How could you possibly? How could you possibly win? She couldn't. Phil Murphy romped to victory. Not as, by the way, not as big of seven points. I think it was in New Jersey. Not as big as it was in Virginia, yeah. which is uh, amazing. Uh, and it was Phil Murphy last night who said. Yeah, we absolutely send sent a message from Trenton. New Jersey sent an unmistakable message to the entire nation. We are better than this. 
the uh, and and uh, nearby uh, again our good friend Bill De Blasio. We love Bill De Blasio for many reasons. He's a great mayor of New York, but also when he was running for governor mayor, he was the only one of the candidates running for mayor who was on our show and would agree to be on our show. So we feel partly responsible for getting Bill De Blasio and his mayor in New York. He sailed to re-election uh, yesterday uh, in New York. New York City sent a message to the White House as well. Damn straight. Uh, the headline in the uh, New York Times this morning, Democrats store, score two big victories in Trump rebuke. Uh, yeah, Peter uh, alluded to, let's mention some of the other victories as part of this blue wave. Uh, mayors, Democratic mayors elected in Charlotte, North Carolina. The first, by the way, it was a very, very good night for people of color uh, and for LGBT, uh, LGBTQ Americans, if you will. Charlotte, North Carolina, Vi Lyles, the first African-American woman elected as mayor of Charlotte, North Carolina, great city. Democratic mayor elected in St. Petersburg, Florida. In St. Paul, Minnesota, um, Melvin Carter, uh, the first uh, person of color to become mayor of St. Paul. Uh, we mentioned uh, for in the LGBT world in uh, Danica Rome in Virginia beating out Bob Marshall. Andrea Jenkins becomes the first transgender person of color to serve on the Minneapolis City Council. And the first lesbian mayor, Jenny Durkin of Seattle, elected yesterday. And then that blue wall has been created. It has been built. The final brick in the blue wall, the left coast, California, Oregon, and now Washington, governor and both houses of the legislature, Democratic hands, thanks to the uh, big victory last night uh, in in Washington State's 45th State Senate District of Mankadinga, uh, Indian American woman who uh, last I saw she was like twenty points ahead. Yeah, no, it was uh, not it, close. No, not it was not close. not uh, not not even close. A big win for her and for Pramila Jayapal, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, our good friend who was in the other day. So uh, across the board, pretty good day for Democrats. Damn good day for Democrats. And again, <laughs> that's an understatement. Again, for Republicans going into twenty eighteen. You know, they got a they got a real problem. They've got a toxic president uh, right around that they've got to deal with. And they've got to, you know, what do they do about this guy? They he he is very popular with his base. Right. That 36 percent. But the rest of the country is saying we don't want anything to do with him or his tactics, his rhetoric, his approach to his lack of intelligence, his approach to problems, the whole enchilada. Don't want to. You, know, you do you remember? Do you remember during the eight years of President Barack Obama, where they tried to create this narrative during the special elections or midterm elections of Oh, Barack Obama is so unpopular that these Democrats oh, yeah. are running away from him. Yeah. Just imagine being a Republican, having to thread that needle. And by the way, you've yeah. seen so many Republicans say they're not running for re-election or they're retiring from There's another one yesterday. There's uh, another one yesterday. Congressman Lobiondo in yeah. New Jersey. There will yeah. be more. Oh, yeah. There will be more. You think these guys want to run with with like with and, this wave happening and with Donald Trump still as president? That it's not they're not going to go through this. And you got Bob Corker in, in the Senate and uh, Jeff Flake in the Senate, neither one of whom uh, are, of course, running for running for reelection. Um, 
Also, uh, one other little progress, big progressive victory yesterday up in the state of Maine, uh, Jamie's home state, uh, voters, uh, Paul LePage, the worst governor in the country uh, of all 50, had um, refused to expand Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act, which a few other Republican governors have done, like John Kasich in Ohio, uh, but Paul LePage refused. So the people put it on the ballot as an initiative. <laughs> and yesterday, the voters of Maine said, damn straight, we're going to have Medicaid statewide. It's important for the people of Maine. Uh, here is Robin Merrill, who is one of the leaders of that initiative campaign. It won big time last night. We're going to see significant economic benefits. It's going to create jobs. It's going to create more stability in our economy. I mean, this is a huge win for Maine and for Maine people. Yes, indeed. Pay close uh, attention to Maine, by the way, you, in 2018. Uh, there's two districts in Maine. District 1 is pretty safely blue, pretty safely Democrat. District 2, there's a Republican there right now, mm-hmm. Bruce Poliquin, who is not the greatest politician in the world. He's no Paula Page, but he's still a Republican. Uh, I, I, I think there's a good chance that District 2 flips All right. uh, in 2018. Man. And as Maine goes? <laughs> so, goes right. the so goes the nation. There you go. There you go. Uh, exactly, right. Uh, so it indeed was a blue wave last night, and we part as part of that building the blue wall on the left coast. Uh, makes me want to move back to California. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the Congress was sputtering through another day of uh, thoughts and prayers. Yes, as Paul Ryan uh, told his uh, colleagues. No, this was actually on Laura Ingram's show. Uh, if anything, he said. What happened in Texas, it just proves that when it comes to what to do about guns, the answer, of course, is just more prayer. People who do not have faith don't understand faith, I guess I'd have to say. And it is the right thing to do is to pray in moments like this because, you know, what prayer works. And I know you believe that and I believe that. And when you hear the secular left doing this thing, no wonder you've got so much polarization and disunity in this country when people think like that. You know... (laughs) I hate to say it, but isn't it obvious that if there's any proof that prayer doesn't work, it's what happened, what we saw in the First Baptist Church of uh, Southern Southern Springs, Texas on Sunday. Those people were in the middle of praying. You know, I mean, come on, come on. Prayer doesn't work against an assault. When somebody's got an assault rifle pointed pointed at you, prayer does not work. I'm sorry, Paul Ryan. You're full of... Go ahead. Well, you know, like there's this narrative building that, that, you know, progressives and liberals are mocking those who pray. And I yeah. don't think that no. that's the case. It's not, I mean, I, I'm not a religious person. I'm not mocking anybody who prays. The point is you can't just pray. No, I am denying vehemently the BS that prayer is enough without action. Right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, Apply no, you know what we need situation. is get those GD assault rifles out of circulation and 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 renew the ban on assault weapons. That's like everybody, I did this on CNN yesterday. They were praising the shooter who came up, walked up, as we pointed this out yesterday, and took it and, and, and fired at the guy as he was leaving the church, yeah. by the way, right? Yeah. So this was the answer. They said, thank God that guy know had, had an assault rifle. Otherwise, in fact, Donald Trump said otherwise hundreds more would have been killed. It's just total nonsense. But it misses the point. 
It's not the second assault rifle that we should be happy for. We should be condemning the fact that the first guy had the assault rifle, and he's the one who killed 26 people with that assault rifle. The guy with the second assault rifle didn't do crap. I'm sorry. He really didn't. He might have wounded the guy, but he shot himself in the head head as he was driving away. You know, yeah. so what's the point? It's just it, it's it's not on the point. You just the, can't say we're going no. to pray this problem away, right? And right? You, no, no. And you know, there's one one brave member of Congress yesterday who finally had had enough. When for the second time in 35 days, we've had a colossal, tragic mass murder in this country, Vegas, and now Texas that Paul Ryan calls again for a moment of silence, and that's all they're going to do. That's all they did after Vegas. That's all they're going to do after Southern Springs, Texas. Congressman Ted Lieu from California walked out and on uh, Twitter showed us, told us why. My colleagues right now are doing a moment of silence in the House of Representatives' chambers. I respect their right to do that, and I myself have participated in many of them. But I can't do this again. I've been to too many moments of silences. In just my short career in Congress, three of the worst mass shootings in U.S. history have occurred. He's been there three years. I will not be silent. What we need is we need action. We need to pass gun safety legislation now. There's something telling about just being silent while all this stuff happens. Yeah, exactly. And that's, again, if they had a moment of silence and then they voted to ban the assault weapons, if they voted... To get rid of bump stocks, if they voted to do something about the background checks, that's fine. That's fine. But all Paul Ryan wants is a moment of silence, period, and then more prayer, of course. Got a great lineup of journalists for you today. Uh, Claire Foran from The Atlantic. Uh, coming up next, Alex Rorty from McClatchy will join us a little bit later. And Matt Fuller, Fuller from HuffPost will take a quick break, come back with Claire Foran from The Atlantic. Hello, this is President Donald Trump, and so importantly, I need you to vote for Ed Gillespie to be your new governor of Virginia. Get social with Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. About it, Wednesday, November 8th. Yes, indeed, the blue wave sweeping across America yesterday. Big Democratic wins in Virginia, New Jersey, New York City, Charlotte, North Carolina, Seattle, Washington, and you name it, just about all across the land. That's the focus of our show this morning, The Bill Press Show, coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and brought to you today by the American Federation of Government Employees, those good men and women who keep our federal agencies running, not just here in Washington, all across the country, under the leader, members of the AFGE, under the leadership of President J. David Cox. We salute them, thank them for their good work and their support of the program, uh, and welcome Claire Foran from The Atlantic. Uh, political reporter joining us this morning. Hi, Claire. Hi, thanks for having me. It's nice to see you. And, uh, you know, we always uh, ask you to send in your comments 
on the news of the day, uh, well, we mean it, damn it, and we pay attention to what you say. Uh, Jamie, what do you think? Let's start on Twitter, at BP Show. Many of you uh, weighing in on the Democrats' big victories yesterday across the country. That all says Democrats' primary focus should be on getting money out of politics, run candidates that can win the Midwest. People think the system is corrupt. It's a good point. Money out of politics is an important um, platform here. Tom says, I see a blue wave heading for Wisconsin Congressional District number one. Support Randy Bryce. Iron oh, stash. yes. Iron stash. Yes. It's next year, but uh, yeah, keep that momentum for Iron Stash uh, going. You know, I, next year's tomorrow. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, starting it's... now. Yeah. 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 Uh, and in the YouTube chat room, youtube.com backslash the Bill Press Show. A couple comments coming in there. Our buddy Smacky Pipe says, I declare I'm happier than a pig in, I yes. can't say what he wants <laughs> to say, for Virginia and New Jersey this morning. And uh, Donna Miller adds in uh, that clip that we played from Ted Lieu walking out of the moment yeah. of silence. Congressman Ted Lieu from California, good friend of ours. Donna says, so glad Ted Lieu walked out. Silence means nothing. Action is needed. There you go. Keep those comments coming in at YouTube, youtube.com backslash the Bill Press Show, and on Twitter at BP Show. Give us a follow if you haven't already. All right. Thank you, Jamie. So, Claire, one one uh, aspect of Virginia that we didn't have not yet talked about today is um, – the Terry McAuliffe for President campaign started last night. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Don't I, you think? <laughs> I still... Yeah, I mean, his name hasn't been tossed around too much other than just, you know, maybe kind of, sort of. But obviously this... Northam's win's obviously a big victory for him. There was in the no sense bigger immense, supporter yeah. of Northam. He basically picked Northam. Of course, he was a right, lieutenant yeah. governor, but he, he was right early on, no doubt about yeah. it, right? Yeah, and I mean, so this is also a way, too, just for him to sort of cement, you know, presumably kind of his legacy in the governor's office, the things that he did. He doesn't have to worry now that, you know, someone's going to come in and try to sort mm-hmm. of meddle with um, kind of his achievements and, and that kind of thing, which certainly, if he wanted to run, will be helpful to be able to point to these things. Um, and... uh yeah, I mean, do I really see Terry McAuliffe as a serious 2020 contender? You know, I'm not sure, but if if he wants to do it, this will. It, it's going to be such an yeah. interesting election because, like, we've got all these, you know, marquee names that are keeping their yeah. their, their names in the ring, right? Mm-hmm. Like Bernie is still out there. Joe yeah. Biden has talked about doing. Elizabeth Warren is keeping it open, and you've got these just heavyweights. Yeah, that a guy like McAuliffe. Like where's their room for him? Or right, I don't see in? where the room is. For I him. do. I think the I think the room. I think there's a a, a, a clear path for somebody outside of Washington mm-hmm. to to emerge as a Democratic nominee. I think again, I think people are fed up with Washington. I don't care who it is, and that somebody from outside would have some advantage. I'm not saying Terry McAuliffe's going to yeah. be the nominee, but he would be one of those. I don't know Phil Murphy, uh, but now he's. I mean, Jerry Brown would have been the nominee. I think, or Jerry Brown would be one we've talking. Except Jerry's, I think. I think the age thing is caught up with Jerry, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whom I love and whom I work for, who's a good friend. I'd love to see him president of the United States. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think a governor or a mayor even. And so you got Phil Murphy. Now we have a new Democratic governor, and one guy who is running. Well, two mayors. Mitch Landrew of New Orleans. Oh yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go. And Eric Garcetti of L.A. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's possible that that could 
you know, help them kind of define themselves as something different. I guess with, I mean, with somebody like McAuliffe, he obviously has an established track record, but that can be, you know, good and bad. I mean, I, you know, I think of when I think of like what he did in Virginia, obviously, like restoring voting rights for so many, you know, former Mm -hmm. felons was a big thing. But I mean, it like, would you say, though, that I mean, how would you kind of define his politics? Like, would you, you know, I just feel like I don't give him I don't pay that much attention to what he's doing. Uh, I, I think he's a, a, a effective uh, and has been a very successful governor, very effective. He knows the political yeah. system like nobody. I think Terry's uh, downside is. Yeah. Well, he's very I, close I to the Clinton. The Clinton yeah. campaign. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's, he's known so as sort of a— He's with Bill and Hillary. Yeah. Known as a super everybody close would ally. See, everybody yeah. would see this as a re- return of the Clinton machine, which people have had it with. They yeah. Want, they do not want anything to do with the Clintons coming back. Yeah, and that's a love pretty them, strong love them tie. to death, but yeah. time is gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, what is the how, – how would you assess um, – of course, Donald Trump immediately throwing Ed Gillespie under the bus saying, he did not embrace me, he did not support my policies, mm-hmm. therefore basically he deserved to lose, the skunk. And if he had embraced me, he would have won. I mean, that's, right. all, that's implied in that. But it does raise the question – of is there any um, warning here uh, to Republicans going into 2018 about Ed Gillespie's loss and what Donald Trump means to them? I mean, I think the warning is just that you saw Democrats win across the board in so many different contexts and races last night that really, I think that just speaks to really, really, a really, really energized Democratic base. And so, well, I think there are certainly maybe some lessons to be picked apart in terms of what messages worked, what didn't. I think the bigger lesson is just that Democrats are going to have an advantage or right now they have the advantage. So and and Trump's low approval ratings um, are looking, you know, more and more toxic, potentially toxic to candidates. And I don't think that adopting. So, yeah, so it didn't really work for Ed Gillespie to adopt this sort of Trump like message. And I guess I'll be interested in, yeah, what, you know, Republican strategists take away from it. Because I had I mean, I had talked to some Republican strategists who had sort of said, well, even if Gillespie loses, as long as it's not by a huge margin, the takeaway might still be that this kind of thing works. Um, Mm, But nine points. Right. Right. So a big a big loss. And yeah, there there are Republicans all around the country who are waking up this morning and going, oh, crap. Because, like, if yeah. Ed Gillespie, like you said, if he'd even gotten close, then their whole gamble or, or approach to running for re-election would have been, I can find Some a way ground. to thread yeah. that needle mm-hmm. of using the Trumpy politics with my with my politics, tapping into the Trump base and and bringing my politics Trumpism to Trumpism without Trump. You can't do that. Yeah. No. You just can't do that. And, and right. you know how politics works. You really don't get the picture until you wake up with it smacking you in the face. Yeah. And like they're waking up this morning with but a lot with it just smacking them in the face. You've got um Donald Trump did campaign for Luther Strange in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did not campaign for Ed Gillespie in right, Virginia. Right, so he wasn't able to. Yeah, I mean, I think. He, so yeah. either way, he wasn't able to, to pull yeah. a Republican through. And, and yeah. you've got to admit, I'm a Republican looking for running for re-election. Mm-hmm. I want to keep my seat. I think the message is I don't want Donald Trump to come in and campaign for me. I don't yeah, want Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I was it. sort of thinking about that, which is that, yeah, Trump has kind of tried to play kingmaker in some of these races, like the Alabama race. And 
in a way, I mean, to me, it makes sense that he isn't able to because it, what's Trump's whole shtick is what I'm different. The Republican Party is terrible. It's corrupt. It's awful. I'm I'm something separate. That's how he campaigned. So in my mind, it does kind of make sense that, you know, doesn't it seem a little odd then that he the idea that he could come into office and then suddenly say, OK, we're all a big family, you know, or, right. you know, he's right. he's my party. He's the one that I want you to vote for. And I could I mean, Trump always felt like in some ways. I mean, I think he tapped into something that's really widespread, and I don't want to dismiss it as an aberration, but as a candidate and sort of as a personality, it he's always felt very distinct. And so I think that there's something there that kind of makes sense to me that he might not be able to translate that. Um, but then even, you know, with the Alabama race, so Roy Moore, who was in a lot of ways Trump-like in Absolutely. that he's very no. bombastic. Yeah. He's, you no, know, he's very... Tr- he was the Trump of that race. He was the Trump of that race. But I think I think also, though, a lot of it had to do with this sort of local history that he had. Like, he had really made his name for himself as having what was at the Ten Commandments, uh, you know, refusing to take down this statue and various things like that that I don't know... That is Trump-like, but I also think it was a very local type. People felt like they knew him. They felt like maybe conservative voters felt like they liked that. And I still don't even think that necessarily means, oh, you know, other Republicans running in other places could just adopt a Trump message. Because I think with Roy Moore, too, it's people really felt like he had made that name for himself in a very specific way that I think just a generic candidate that comes in in other states, is that's not, I don't think that would kind of appeal mm. would transfer necessarily right. to if you just sort of say, I'm going to take a Trump-like tone. Maybe the biggest plum uh, for the for ripe for picking in 2018 is control of the House of Representatives. Uh, Democrats need 25. Um, the party that gets the White House almost always, I think, historically loses, yeah. loses mm-hmm. seats uh, in the first midterm. Yeah. So the Republicans are set up to lose X number of seats anyhow, historically. Yeah. Uh, this, I think, increases the chances for Democrats taking back the House significantly. I think so, because if nothing else, um, it's going to be for any candidates and, and just for fundraising. It'll help with recruitment. It'll help with fundraising to see this because it's just going to yeah, make people that sure. are already As energized say, feel that much more hopeful. The, the base yeah. is clearly and people were a lot of people are talking about I kept getting calls from people wanting me to comment on the disarray in the Democratic Party. I'm not mm-hmm. denying that there is some. We just saw the Donna Brazil flap, this, which, by the way, I think what happened last night, forget about Donna Brazil, that well, book. Yeah, I mean, I mean the, it the, happened. The, yeah, the DNC did tilt in support of Hillary, but now people are moving on. Well, there was, a, I mean, you remember the mini freak out from uh, the end of last week about how, oh, how could she put this book out now? Yeah. yeah. You mm-hmm. know, we've got this huge. Yeah. These, oh, this these is going to really hurt races. Ralph North. It's going to be so bad. Yeah, we've got I mean, these yeah. governor's yeah. races. Yeah. I don't think it mattered. Democrats got to get out of their diapers sometimes. You know, they, <laughs> they whine yeah. so much. So something, a little thing like that, and they get and they get so nervous. But now, certainly re-energized, energized even more when they see what they can do. Yeah. Uh, in in twenty eighteen, I think it's going to be a, a real uh, one. One thing for clear, and everybody was saying yesterday that if Democrats, it was close. All the polls showed it was really close. Yeah. And everybody said, we think Northam's going to win. But boy, if he doesn't, it's going to be a body blow to Democrats mm-hmm. nationwide. Yeah. And it would have been. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. would have been seen yeah. as the proof that the Democratic Party doesn't have its act together. It's yeah. not going to bounce back. It's done. It's dead. The whole thing. And when just the opposite happened, it's a real, real 
real coup. Okay. Yeah. Look, it's it's it, like yeah. Republicans could have won in Virginia, but Democrats had to win in Virginia. That's a good mm-hmm. way of putting it. Yeah. Well, right. they were on the defensive too, and I mean, it was you know we've seen obviously all of the. There's been a lot of special election disappointments for Democrats, but there has been, uh, you know, relatively maybe valid argument to some extent that those were diff- those were taking places in deep red districts, yeah, often you know, Republican held seats. But this was different because it was this was Democrats were on the defense much more so than I mean they're trying to protect a governor's mansion when they're at you know a record low of holding yeah. governorships and and uh, just repeating uh, the, so much that we went through in the first half hour, but when you add Virginia. And then you add, uh, to start with Virginia, then you add New Jersey, you add New York City, you add Seattle, yeah. you add the Virginia House of Delegates, picking up 14 and maybe even a few more there. Yeah. Uh, new mayor of Charlotte, North Carolina, new mayor of uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, new mayor of St. Paul, Minnesota. I mean, there were wins across. And I'm just, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There yeah. were wins in state legislative races that we don't even know about yet or that I haven't, but... Yeah, I mean, I think basically it just... Our revolution, and, you know, you've got to... What is the thing you've got to run? Or run for something? Run for something, something. yeah. 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 They all Mm -hmm. had state legislative candidates all across, and sure, a lot of them did well. Yeah, I mean, I think basically it just... We saw Democrats outperforming sort of expectations and what they had maybe done in the past in the special elections. We didn't see anybody breaking out and actually winning, but those were also deep red districts. And ultimately to win back the house, a lot of those districts are going to be swing, swing districts. And Virginia Mm -hmm. is not, you know, a bad um, test case for that because it is a state that's not, it's not like a solidly blue state. It is shifting and has become more uh, democratic or more liberal. But I think, you know, a relatively good bellwether. And then I think really, too, just the, seeing what happened with the House of Delegates. Because if you just have one race, it's always better, as you were saying, to be able to look at a broader trend or mm-hmm. kind of an average. And I think just seeing the the returns come in on the House of Delegates, I mean, that was a really, really yeah. significant... Well, uh, Tom um, Perez was telling yeah. us yesterday, the chairman uh, who was in studio, that like four years ago, they didn't even have Democrats running really, in like for, maybe half yeah. of the districts. And this year, they had a Democrat in every damn district, yeah. you know. And that so, new, I love their uh, new slogan, every zip code, every zip yep. code counts. I saw yeah. so many people out there voting yesterday who had these signs that said, vote local. Yeah. It's not all about the big ticket elections. You've no. got to vote locally. So smart. I want to ask you about something else you've been writing about, uh, which is dear to my heart. Uh, and that is uh, on Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, fixing it, not uh, or repairing it, not yeah. repealing it, if yeah. you will, uh, and starting by adding a public plan option. Public is that option. still in the work or public option? Is that yeah. still in the works? Well, I mean, Democrats are definitely talking about it. Obviously, I think um, you know, with with Republican control of Congress, hard to to imagine that that's going to get off the ground anytime soon. But I think building the case now or starting to lay the groundwork. Um, so yeah, I I recently wrote about. Senator Brian Schatz came out with a public option bill. And um, and I mean, when I talked to him about it, you know, he was sort of realistic about like, you know, we need to kind of build build back up to this. Uh, but I think if, you know, depending on what happens uh, in 2018, too, if, if there were a lot of Democratic gains, maybe it could become a more serious conversation. And yeah, I think one thing that I thought was interesting talking to Senator Schatz and then also kind of looking into where Bernie stands on this is that and it kind of goes back to maybe what you're saying about sometimes 
the Democrats and disarray narrative can get a little bit overblown. So it's like a public option would obviously be a much more incremental, you know, how yeah, can we sort yeah. of add something to an existing law rather than going for a much more ambitious idea like single payer. But um, Bernie Sanders supports this public option bill. And he's talked about public option as kind of a kind of a that's what we should do in the short term. And then single Abs- payer in the longer absolutely. term. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, anybody, anybody realistic knows that single payer, which I totally support, is not yeah. going to happen overnight. Yeah. This option, which was in the original Affordable Care Act, which yeah. President Obama sold to the nation and then dropped like a hot potato, uh, I think because he wanted to make a deal with the pharmaceuticals or, or the hospitals or whatever. I don't know. But he dropped it. Should not have. Um but it's always been seen as a first step, giving yeah. states this option or giving the public that option through the marketplace mm-hmm. to buy into Medicare, really. That's yeah. what it is, yeah. right? Uh, and could this be part of the bipartisan uh, Lamar Alexander, Patty Murray approach? Or is it? Yeah, I no, it's not part of that. Um, I mean, I think that is much... So if this is incremental from kind of a more... Democratic standpoint, I think the Lamar Alexander is 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 far more incremental and and small bore. But um, yeah, I asked Senator Schatz if he had talked to Senator Alexander about it. He said not yet because he thinks that um, Murray Alexander should pass and doesn't want to kind of try to meld them at this point. What I thought was so interesting about this were how many co-sponsors were, got onto this that that have 2020 aspirations. You mean Bernie? Mm-hmm. The, 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 the single payer. The, the single payer, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, Cory Booker, Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, know, you have all these people who, and Bernie himself, who have all been sort of thrown around as 2020, uh, uh, possible 2020 contenders. They're they're out there on it. Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was kind of the... Uh, um, a kind of joint announcement for 2020. Yeah. Of every Democrat was running. Elizabeth Warren, they were all there. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, right. yeah and I think, if again, I, If it's... you don't see me in this photo, you know I'm not running for 2020. That, yeah, that, that, right, right, right. Just a key indicator. Yeah, and I think the fact that so many kind of possible 2020ers were on this public option bill and are on single-payer bill, it's actually a good example of, from a policy perspective, I think the party kind of looking to the future but also kind of setting sort of a a combination almost of like pragmatic but also really progressive path because it's it's really progressive in that you know a lot of these people are also supporting single payer including senator shots but they're also kind of thinking how do we get there what sort of a path what are things we could do now what are things we could do later and there's agreement you know that you can do sort of both or kind of advocate for both at the same time so but back to um uh, looking forward to 2018 if you will the, the other issue that um, I think it could very well come is already in play is tax reform. I mean, a lot of Republicans feel, okay, we didn't get anything done this year, major legislation. Yeah. We got Brian, uh, we got Neil Gorsuch in the Supreme Court, but that's all we can point to. That our ticket to really showing how we good we are. Something to run on, yeah. Something to run on is tax reform. Uh, do you agree and do you think they'll get it done before the end of the year? Ugh, I don't know. I mean, I think my initial reaction with tax reform is that why would why would Republicans be able to get this? You know, the tax code is so complicated. It's something that even kind of the best intentioned bipartisan efforts to say we're going to do kind of an overhaul often just don't materialize because it's just hard. It's just complex. Um, so I think my initial knee jerk reaction is why would they why would they have more success with this than with, you know, health care? Um, 
it's not like it's necessarily it's not less complicated. That said, I mean, I think it's maybe maybe there are ways to do something on tax reform that isn't necessarily that drastic. That's not an Mm -hmm. overhaul, but that kind of picks like smaller options that gives Republicans still well, if they're desperate yeah. and they want to be able to say something, um, but I'm not sure exactly what that would look like. That's what the Washington Post is reporting this morning, that perhaps mm-hmm. in the Senate they're already thinking, we're just not going to do First, First of all, they've already moved beyond tax reform. Now it's just a series of tax cuts. Mm-hmm. But the Senate is also saying, we're not even sure we can go for all those tax cuts now. Maybe we'll just do a couple, right, and package yeah. those and do that, a very very, very, very cut down yeah. tax cut bill. Yeah, I mean, but I also think too, when you think about like with healthcare, it's sort of like, I don't know, tax reform also puts the GOP in this place where it's like, they don't, do they want to be seen as giving gigantic tax breaks away to, you know, the wealthy in this populist mood? I don't no, know. Could they be want very... to do it without being seen by <laughs> right, as yeah. doing it. Yeah. Okay. My prediction is, which I've said here several times, I'll repeat, it ain't going to happen. There will be no tax reform bill passed this year. Uh, anyhow, Claire Farn, good to see you. Nice to Thanks see you so much. Thanks so the much. Atlantic. TheAtlantic.com. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Happy days are here again. Yeah, they were singing it all across America last night as the Democrats celebrated a blue wave. They were nervous going into yesterday, but very, very happy uh, coming out of it. And we'll bring you up to date with all the big wins in Virginia and New Jersey and Seattle and New York City and all across the board. Good to see you today. It is Wednesday, November 8, one year ago. Donald Trump was elected president of the United States by a certain number of Americans, uh, none of us, uh, but at any rate. Uh, and then today he gets a smackdown uh, with this big Democratic um, one-sided victory uh, that we saw uh, last night. Wherever you happen to be in this great land of ours, we are very uh, uh, grateful that you have joined us this morning. It's good to have you on board. We'll bring you up to date on all the news of the day with our good friend from McClatchy, D.C., Alex Rorty, political reporter. Hey, Alex. How are you? Bill, uh, it's uh, wonderful to be here. Quite a night last night for the Democrats. Yeah. You know what was nice about it? We didn't have to stay up until 2 o'clock in the morning. And I was ready to stay up to 2 (laughs) o'clock in the morning, too, just to to cover the results and possibly a a Northam loss. It's not exactly what happened last night. Uh, No. No. (laughs) No, but we're so used to these cliffhangers that take us into and- uh, yeah. And like the whole day yesterday, uh, it sort of built up like, oh, oh my God, oh, you, that, some of the exit polling, people agree with Gillespie on the on the uh, monuments in Virginia, oh, and the yeah. rain was terrible. And then the rain started, and I was like, boom, boom, boom. But 
Now, I was out to dinner with friends at 8 o'clock. 8.15. Right. right. Northern Winds. It was all over. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Within the first few precincts reporting. So I'd have another drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. yeah what the hell? Drinks for the table, maybe. Uh, it was even the, the first few precincts that came in. And if you, you follow the right election wonks on Twitter, I feel like they started to signal early on that something was happening. Yeah. And like you guys said, by 8 o'clock, it was, yeah. it was pretty clear. All right. So lots to get into. And we want to hear from you what you think about it all. Wherever you happen to be uh, in uh, your area or the or the Virginia or New York race, whatever, uh, at um, on Twitter at BP Show, send us your comments. But first, this is the full court here? press. Just a couple of other stories making news. You know what I love, Bill, is Nutella. You know the hazelnut spread. I do too. Yeah, I've it's never good understood why it has not taken off in this country. It's starting to take. I mean, in, I in hope recent so. years, it it's taken great. off a little bit more than it used to. Well, there's so much sugar in it. There's a lot of sugar I'm, in it. But here's the thing. It's so good. Here's the thing. Yes, they have changed their recipe. People uh-oh. are freaking out uh-oh. because uh-oh. they don't notice. fix what ain't broke. I know. It's. I mean, everyone loves Nutella. Maybe it is broke. Well, here's the problem. People noticed that a jar of Nutella now contains 8.7% powdered skim milk. Previously, it was only 7.5%. Also, they increased the amount of sugar from 55.9% to 56.3%. People are freaking out, and Nutella actually confirmed, yes. there's more sugar? There's more sugar (laughs) in it, Jamie. There's more sugar. Believe it or not, there is more sugar. And so people have said because they've announced these changes, there has to be something else. People think... The suspicion is that they've changed the percentage of cacao in the jar, so it's less chocolatey. You know what? I think right after the show, I'm going to go across the street to Trader Joe's and buy a jar of Nutella. Taste test. We'll just wait till they come out with Nutella Classic in a few years. (laughs) (laughs) Crystal Nutella? Crystal Nutella, (laughs) right. (laughs) All right. So in uh, 2018, recreational sales are going to kick off in California for marijuana. Here's the problem, though. People are realizing that, you know, we talk about selling pot and taxing it will be great for the state. The problem is California, you could get pot pretty easily without paying all these taxes. So people are now having sticker shock because they're preparing them. Taxes on pot are going to be as high as like 40 percent. And so, like, look, I think obviously higher than cigarettes, taxing it and regulating it is a good thing. But at the same time, this is California where you can get pot just about anywhere. So potheads in California are kind of freaking out. They're happy with the win, but they don't necessarily want to pay for the product. Well, the price, you know, then you get. Um, you're legal, right? You don't yeah, have to worry legal. about getting arrested sure. if you pay the taxes. You didn't really before, though, in California. <laughs> <laughs> on your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Hello and uh, welcome uh, to the big celebration here. Yeah, the big celebration party of the big Democratic victory. They're calling it a blue wave nationwide, and that included building the blue wall on the left coast of California. Hello, everybody. It is uh, Wednesday, November 8th, the Bill Press Show. Coming to you live coast to coast from our studio right here in Capitol, in Washington, D.C., on Capitol Hill, in the heart of the action. Oh, the action wasn't really in Washington yesterday. It was uh, out in the states and the cities uh, and the state legislative districts that we were watching all last night. 
with, again, a resounding victory for Democrats uh, nationwide uh, at many, many levels. Alex Rorty uh, joins us from McClatchy, D.C., uh, as we join you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, on Free Speech TV, and on the great WCPT out in Chicago. Hello, Alex. Were you surprised last night? Very surprised. Um, and I think a lot of Democrats were surprised, too. I mean, I had... People were nervous before. People were incredibly nervous. I had a Democrat messaging me pretty much all day yesterday, watching the early turnout, worried that things weren't going well, hearing that Democrat, other Democrats were nervous. And that was the expectation. I think it was fair to say that Northam was a small favorite. But look, if you're a Democrat after last year, Hillary Clinton was also a favorite. You know, I think you're just you're girding yourself uh, to be disappointed. So the, the fact that he was able to, to win by almost double digits, you know, around now nine points, just uh, an astonishing result. Yeah. Isn't it kind of funny that everybody said New Jersey's in the bag? Mm-hmm. Uh, Virginia, probably Northam, but could go the other way and really, really close. And it's going to be a squeaker. Mm-hmm. He won by nine points in Virginia and Phil Murphy won by seven in, in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the way, not the way anyone, not, not the way anyone would have expected. And, and the other result, a lot of Democrats are taking heart in the, the House of Delegates in Virginia. They yeah. needed to win 17 seats. Yeah. to win a majority, and and they might have done that. I mean, there are still uh, probably some recounts coming. But look, I, I talked to Democrats. P- national- p- pardon me, on that point, if I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last numbers I saw were that the Democrats did win 14 for sure. Yes, uh, yes. Which means, I think right now it's tied 48-48, mm-hmm. and there are four seats that are still undecided. Right. So if they could pick up. All four or three out of four or whatever. It is remarkable that they turn that around. I mean, as of yesterday, that was unthinkable almost. I mean, there are a lot of yeah. Democrats plugged in watching those races closely who didn't even, didn't even think that that was a possibility. You know, the benchmark for them was picking up 10 seats. Mm-hmm. That would have been a good sign for the party. Right. would have been a great sign for the party. They weren't even sure that they could do that. To win the majority was kind of outside the bounds of, of reasonable thought yesterday and really suggests that the, the wave out there for Democrats is bigger and deeper than anyone would have expected. Uh, a couple of those uh, state legislative seats are a particular note, particularly noteworthy. Um, Danica Rome, Rome, mm, Rome rather, right. uh, became the first transgender member of the Virginia House, which is significant enough, but she beat Bob Marshall, who was the biggest homophobe, self-described, self-described homophobe in the Virginia uh, House of Delegates who is the author of the Virginia's version of the North Carolina bathroom bill, right? Right. Uh, uh, homophobic to hell. To be, and and she, uh, she crushed him uh, in that district. It's, it's um, Right, and it was fascinating to watch her campaign. I should say Tenet was actually an old colleague of mine. She worked at National Journal Hotline. Oh, wow, really? When, when I she? was there, yes. Danica, uh, is that how you pronounce it? Danica, yes. Danica, yeah, um, yeah. And and so it's I, I can tell you with some confidence to the first colleague of mine or old colleague of mine to ever run for, and win elected office. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. So so <laughs> congratulations to to Danica if she's listening. But watching her campaign, you know her candidate, her opponent did try to make it um, about the fact that she was transgender. Right. Yeah, um, wouldn't she, use the yeah. right pronoun uh, for her. Um, but all she focused on was local traffic, mm-hmm. local traffic, local traffic. And I like to think. It's that experience that she had at the hotline where you understand what really counts <laughs> in politics, <laughs> local issues, 
uh, traffic. That's how you win. Cool. Um, and well, she right. carried that through in her campaign. That's yeah. what we were talking about with with Ray earlier, our, yeah. uh, who's a resident Virginian, who was saying that. Like, By the way, and we give Ray all the credit for the big right. win in Virginia yesterday because she, she was out there hustling. She was out there working those precincts. Yes. But she was saying that this hustling. that her opponent, Danica Rome's opponent, was just one issue. Really, just mm-hmm. one issue. The gays, the gays, the gays. This my opponent is transgender. She wants to let. Right. You know, transgender people use bathrooms. And it's like, realistically, people don't really care about that. Uh, and the other the other noteworthy race, uh, Chris Hurst uh, was the fiancé of the young TV reporter who was shot and killed while she was on the air doing a stand-up. Uh, he ran for the House of Delegates uh, on the gun issue against mm-hmm. a big NRA supporter. NRA put a lot of money into that race. To keep their guy in, and Chris Hurst beat beat him. Uh, so yeah, Virginia really spoke up yesterday. Well, there was, I mean, according to the exit polls, Democrats are really taking heart. You mentioned the gun issue; that guns and healthcare were seen yeah. as the two biggest issues, um, and that's remarkable for a few ways. I mean, healthcare is the issue that, federally speaking, Democrats think is their ticket to to big gains in next year's midterm elections. The gun issue, it's interesting because that's all the problem for Democrats has always been that people who are members of the NRA or pro-gun are always more motivated and mm-hmm. interested in elections than the people who are, who are against it, who maybe think we should expand background checks but don't really care about it. You know, that small but vocal minority always wins out. This race would suggest that maybe the, the calculus has shifted, um, at least in Virginia. You would expect in a place like northern Virginia that, the, you know, Democrats, that message would be friendly there. Um, but really something I saw last night, people were taking away in terms of the big picture takeaways of last night's results, uh, that maybe the, the gun politics has changed. So what happened to the meme that uh, the Democratic Party is a party in total disarray? <laughs> gets, it gets put on the shelf uh, for at least a few days. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. It's funny because, I mean, I, you know, I cover the Democratic Party and, and there was no doubt that there was some tumult. I mean, Donna Brazile's book, um, of course, uh, you know, lit a, lit a match on, on, on that uh, bonfire uh, in, in between the Bernie folks and the Hillary folks, you know, Democracy for America, uh, which is a liberal group um, that's been around since 2004. Howard Dean founded Howard it. Did, yeah. You know, they never technically supported Ralph Northam, but they withdrew whatever support they were offering and then called his campaign racist mm-hmm. last week over his flip flop on sanctuary cities. And and I think a lot of those issues are are still there and they're going to percolate over the course of the next year and three years and beyond. Um, but right now, it's it, you know nothing uh, cures what ails you like winning, right? I mean, even even Tom Perez, um, who I think is to say was a little beleaguered, a little embattled already into his tenure at the DNC. You know, he was out there at the Northam uh, oh, campaign, yeah. he, uh, you know, he, hooting, hollering about victory, and people feel good about him. He, now. he started his day sitting right oh, where you right? are yesterday. He said he had uh, put 700 miles on his car, car in the like day two before, days. Two days, yeah, yeah the couple of days. Before. He'd really worked hard on you, and you're right. If if he can look and point to, you know, to to what extent they were involved in them, who cares? To Virginia, where they were very much involved, uh, the DNC in Virginia. But look, point to Virginia and New Jersey and New York City and Seattle and all those other races and the House of Delegates, where they had mm-hmm. they they worked hard to get delegates. Then he can say, hey, you know, we're on a roll, right? Right. Yeah. And, and I think the smartest thing a lot of Democrats can do now is to take these results and go to states like Pennsylvania or Michigan. And, mm-hmm. and look at even some of the House and state Senate districts that people thought were out of reach and maybe they don't have a good candidate or have any candidate running and say, you know what, we need candidates 
everywhere. We need candidates up and down ticket because we don't know how big the wave is. This race might seem unwinnable right now, but so were a handful of the races that we just won last night mm-hmm. in Virginia. And there were some Democrats telling me last night, in fact, that that's what the party needs to focus on. And it's something Tom Perez has focused on, really focused right. on winning right. local elections. As he told there. us yesterday, uh, I mentioned earlier, there the last four years ago, uh, I don't know how many exact number, but they did. there were many districts for the House of Delegates where they didn't even field a Democratic candidate. Right. This time they had a Democrat running in every district. Well, there, you know, there was a there's so much focus on Virginia and, and there should be. But there were races in Georgia, actually, two state two state house races and districts. So Republican Democrats hadn't even fielded a candidate reportedly since 2012 that they won last night. Really? You know, I mean, this huh. is I. I, I yeah. Look, Virginia. That, that didn't get that's been. I didn't it hit my radar yet. Right, yeah. right. Well, there are a lot of good things that happened to the Democratic yeah. Party, and everyone's trying to digest it this morning. But that really caught me because you, you do, in analyzing the results last night, you wonder a little bit, is this a Virginia-only phenomenon, right? Clearly I mean, not. Clearly clearly not. You know, I mean, I, I think uh, Virginia can exacerbate the problem for, for Republicans because of its demographic makeup and, and how it's changed. But this extends to Georgia. You know, Democrats are picking up local uh, council seats in Delaware County and Pennsylvania last night, which they had never won in their, the history mm. uh, of the county. And this is an area, look, this is uh, a place where someone like Pat Meehan uh, is the Republican incumbent congressman there, um, who I consider, you know, if you want to ask yourself, do Democrats win the House next year? It's someone like Pat Meehan, whether or not he would lose. Well, locally, Democrats in his district are winning where they've never won before. That's the kind of thing that that, that makes you worried if you're someone like Pat. Uh, the Washington Post reported yesterday, front page story, the three uh, Democrats who've won in Oklahoma in red, deep red districts. Yeah. Right. Uh, state legislative seats as well. And then, of course, in Washington state, which is not a red state, but mm-hmm. we had um, the state Senate was still in Republican hands until mm-hmm. last night with um, – um, Manga, what's her name? Manga Dinga. Manga Dinga, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, winning that state Senate seat in the 45th district, which means you've got the blue wall now down the West Coast. Right, exactly. I mean, up until Ralph so, Northam's victory, it was the state legislative races were really the, the success for Democrats in 2017. Right. So we know, see what you say it means for Democrats. What's it mean for Donald Trump, who quickly <laughs> threw Ed Gillespie under the bus, tweeting out, <laughs> Ed Gillespie, from South Korea, tweeting out, I mean, within minutes, Ed Gillespie did not embrace me or what I stand for. I mean, yeah, it, I, it, someone else, a, a friend of mine on Twitter pointed out, you know, when the history of Donald Trump is written, um, you know, whenever that is, people are going to gloss over things like this, that he he throws a, a Republican gubernatorial candidate under the bus minutes after the, the race is called. <laughs> that, uh, this is, by the way, a different message than we heard from Donald Trump. Yesterday morning, if you're a Republican in Virginia and your phone rang. Hello, this is President Donald Trump. And so importantly, I need you to vote for Ed Gillespie to be your new governor of Virginia. And, by the way, how bad it would be, according to the caller here or the phoner, to have Ralph Northam win. If you let Ralph Northam be governor, he will be a total disaster for your state. Northam is weak on crime and weak on immigration. I need <laughs> read the script there, right? Importantly, I need- so so he's not invited into campaign, even though he's been in Virginia 
countless times at his golf course, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't have time to do it. But he was, they were, right. let's face it, Ed Gillespie didn't want to be seen with Donald Trump. He just wanted to adopt his tactics. Right. <laughs> Trumpism without Trump, as some people call it. Right. And, and it, Donald Trump wanted to do everything he could for him until he lost. And then he said, you know, Ed who? Right. 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 I mean, it, look, I, I think what Republicans are hoping is that when by the time the midterm elections roll around, um, that you could use, they can utter the magic words, Nancy Pelosi, and that they'll be able to hold on to their House majority. And and as effective as that might be, you know, look, I, I think what happened last night, my main takeaway was like, it's kind of like the old rules of politics reasserted themselves, that we weren't sure still existed after Trump won office. You know, the Republican, the party that holds the White House um, is going to struggle in the midterm elections. And that counts doubly if the incumbent yeah. president is unpopular. Well, this president is historically unpopular yeah, right now. Yeah, right. I mean, 36%, according to the latest CNN poll. Right. Lowest since 1946. Right. Uh, so he's, you know, he's poison, right? I, I was saying earlier, like, you remember d- during the eight years of Barack Obama, every midterm election, there was this thing about, like, oh, Barack Obama's an unpopular president. Will this candidate run with Barack Obama? And it's like, if you're a Republican this morning and you're running for re-election in 2018, yeah. you should probably consider, like, a backup plan. Because running with Donald Trump just isn't going to be an option. I mean, really what Republicans need is they need the president to find a way to become more popular. You know, (laughs) I mean, this is, you know, there's this discussion about what you can do with campaign tactics and different strategies and ads and all that's well and good. And clearly they need to go back to the drawing board when it comes to that. But look, if the president is in the mid 30s, there's a possibility that there's just nothing you can do. You know, that the, the national environment, which kind of just dominates everything in politics right now, is just going to be too difficult for any Republican candidate to overcome. And and I think, you know, we've almost been holding off on that analysis because, yeah. again, we just don't know with Trump. Trump is just this this unique political figure. And, we you know, the rules don't apply. And so I think people have been holding off on saying that this is a disaster politically for the, for the GOP. But last night, again, it to me, it was... No, you know what? Those old rules still apply. And the Republican majority is absolutely in danger. And, and some people would even say, you know, they're an underdog to keep it right it's, now. It's nice right. to know that yeah. there are still some political norms that have stood stood up this year. So it's it's nice to know that I still like know a little something about <laughs> right, politics. Right, actually, right. Uh, political reporters were completely right. off base. <laughs> right. But you know that uh, every every Democratic candidate is going to is going to insist that every Republican opponent answer the question, where do you stand with Donald Trump? Do you stand with Donald Trump or not? Ab- you know? abs- absolutely. Um, and Democratic voters. And that's not enough to win on. Right. I, I, I hasten to add. I'm but... not going to go into hypotheticals. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you, you've written about, uh, now this may change, <laughs> given last night, about the fear, perhaps, of uh, the culture wars coming back. Mm-hmm. and uh, Which, by the way, Ed Gillespie really tried to do tried. in Virginia. Right. Um, and so did Bob Marshall. <laughs> well, the, the, the sort of overwhelming consensus from a lot of Democratic leaders is we need to talk about the economy, right? That's nothing you guys haven't heard a million times, that they think that they've built their biggest coalition basically with people maybe who voted for Trump, the white working class, but who believe in Democratic economic principles. It unites the Democratic Party, and that's what we need to talk about. When we start veering off into culture war topics like kneeling NFL players or even Confederate statues, topics that Donald Trump you know, whether he has I don't think he has a big plan to do this, but has an instinct to try to reroute the discussion to, um, you oh, know, yeah. He's, right. we've seen him do it successfully. Right. Right. Yeah. He, he is. He is good at that. 
that it just makes it harder, particularly in some of the conservative and Republican leaning areas that we need to win in 2018. You know, and, and I think Democrats in particular were really worried about the sanctuary cities. In fact, I know they were. And I know that there are efforts already underway to try to figure out how can Democrats respond to the kind of attacks that Ed Gillespie um, was using, you know, to, to some success, at least it appeared at the time. Um, I think it's fair to say that the Virginia results, Northam's huge victory, calls a little bit all of that into question. Um, but I do think, without a doubt, Democrats still want to talk about the economy, pocketbook issues, health care in particular, I think, uh, next year. Mm-hmm. No, th- those are the winning issues for Democrats. I mean, if they're talking jobs and they're talking minimum wage and they're talking health care, they're talking right. single payer, I'm public plan option, all of that. Right. They're all middle class issues. And, you know, th- the focus has got to be uh, on Pennsylvania. I think states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, in in India, whatever that heartland, right? Right, right, and and I think particularly on a lot of the governors' races, there they all all those states you mentioned have governors' races next year, um, and and with an eye on redistricting, too. I mean that's a, what's also big about Ralph Northam's victory, and Democrats maybe taking the House. You know they're they're going to be able to they're they're going to have a very big say in drawing the lines in twenty twenty now, which is huge, which is part of the reason why Republicans have such a majority that was considered uh, impregnable until uh, you know a couple yeah. of months ago. Now, I I've, I have to look at my phone again. I forget. I saw the notice this morning. Uh, what time? What I have to double check on what time the news conference is this morning when Terry McAuliffe announces for president. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you're talking about made, a big winner last night. Quit talking to Siri during the show. <laughs> I, I'm not. I didn't Siri, know what I was doing. I Siri was wanted to weigh in on McAuliffe's uh, presidential um, hopes, I think. What? Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> he may wait 24 hours. So maybe he'll wait till tomorrow. Yeah. Right? I, I think he gives Ralph. Northam a day, and then he yeah, can, and then can go. He, but I, I mean, that's—I don't think he's someone people <laughs> took seriously as a presidential candidate. Um, but look, the—I don't think people really took him seriously as a govern, gubernatorial candidate at the time. No, no. In fact, he was seen as this kind of terrible candidate, the epitome of everything wrong with Washington. Because he lost the first time, and right, yeah. right. And he was—he was a political insider, and yeah. who and who likes political insiders? But, you know, he's a force to be reckoned with now because Virginia, unlike most of the rest of the country, has stayed blue. I mean, Hillary Clinton won it by five points last year. Uh, His governorship. I mean, I saw even Democrats who were skeptical of him last night saying, well, you know, what? I think clearly he's been an okay governor. And clearly the voters feel that uh, to some extent, at least. Um, So as the degree to which he is already a political animal, um, you thought he was going to play a role in 2020, but uh, maybe double that double that now you know he's a lovable rogue kind of i mean he's a good friend of mine but i don't know anybody who loves politics uh and expresses that right the way terry mcauliffe does right i mean unashamedly right right you know it's it's it's, the james michael curley school i don't know whatever (laughs) he was this is this whole thought in politics now that people don't want insiders and they don't want you know yeah. the same people and and that's well if it's a Roger enough. Stone you understand right <laughs> there, there's, there's kind of this alternate theory though that I've heard I mean that what matters is it's just that you're authentic right that yeah. you're you and there's no there's no doubting that Terry McAuliffe is is what you see is what you get right the guy loves politics he loves talking about it. And maybe that comes across, you know, maybe people are willing to forget him. Oh, he's a political insider. But you know what? He is. We're electing a politician. You know, this is uh, maybe that makes sense. You know, is it just 
even in the sense that he's comfortable in his own skin. So um, we're Californians, at least I am, and you represent a California chain, mm-hmm. McClatchy. Uh, is anybody coming out of Cal- emerging out of California with uh, 2020 possibilities or ambitions? I, I think Kamala Harris is at the top of the list. But you also have to think of Eric Garcetti, uh, the mayor mm-hmm. of Los Angeles. Uh, some sense that you know mayors that would have previously been seen as too big a leap, but not anymore. Again, do those old rules of politics still apply? But I think Kamala Harris is first and foremost in the minds of a lot of people a candidate who could potentially um, unite both the progressive and more establishment wings of the party. You don't see a lot of candidates who have that kind of uniting potential. Um, look, she she was just an attorney general literally a year ago. I mean, she was elected literally. Well, clearly, we would not take somebody who just got to the Senate like two years ago <laughs> and make them the Democratic nominee for president. Right. Would we? That would be unthinkable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, she she is um, an interesting candidate. She has- Certainly not an African-American. Certainly not an, not an African-American. Um, you know, her candidacy would be history making. Um, you know, she is of uh, Jamaican and Indian descent. Uh, I believe she would also, of course, be the first woman to be president. Um, you know, and she has, she definitely has a lot of talent. I mean, she is, it is such a muddled field for 2020. You, you know that better than I do. Um, but she is one of the people who seems to be on the short list right now. And, and I have to say, I think doesn't mind being seen on the short list. I don't think she is really distancing herself mm. from that oh, talk no, and no. speculation. Oh no, she's been fanning it quietly, I think. Right. Yeah. right. Right. I mean, she is, you know, and certainly her team will say <laughs> she is focused on being a senator and that is certainly true enough, but yeah. You know, there is there is clearly an eye, and she has caught a lot of people's. I've attention. never heard her say, "Oh, this talk about 2020 is ridiculous." I mean, no, <laughs> I just got elected. I've got it, my job to do. Sometimes you hear that BS from candidates, right? Mm-hmm. But she doesn't even play that game. Her her team will tell that to reporters quietly sometimes, <laughs> but really? but yeah. I, I but I think you know in the in the big picture, I mean, she's clearly setting up to. So, she's a national figure. All right. So you mentioned Garcetti. I find I'm intrigued by Eric Garcetti because mm-hmm. you're right. Normal times, mayor. No, everyone. Yeah. No, you've right. got to be a senator or a governor, certainly a governor. Right. Both parties, if you look historically, with few exceptions, have done much better going outside of Washington for their nominee. Right, even though mm-hmm. they've become maybe Absolutely. entangled in Washington once they get here, but right. from Jimmy Carter or even beyond him, on Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. Um, George Bush, go on and on, um, Barack Obama being an exception, Donald Trump. So, um, but to get down to the mayor level, it would have to be pretty big city, <laughs> right? We could check that box at least. Check that box you at could, least. And Eric Garcetti is unashamedly saying, "Yeah." He's looking at 2020, running for president. Everybody would expect him maybe to run for governor mm-hmm. next time, which I think could be his for the asking, or to run against Dianne Feinstein. No, he says, I want to, I want the White House. I mean, he's visiting New Hampshire, you know, yeah, campaigning. He's, he's in, been in up New there Hampshire. already. Right. Yeah. He's, I think several times, as a matter of fact. Um, look, it, it, you, you can't, you can't rule him out. I mean, like I said, the, the field, people ask me all the time, well, how do you size up the 2020 field? And I barely know where to start. You know, I mean, yeah. you, you have a sort of a trio of front runners in Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden, who you're not sure they're going to run in the case. To be honest, you know, they are they're older, you know, and it's a dem- it's a young Democratic Party right now. And there is definitely a thirst and an interest in having a fresh face um, mm-hmm. to to represent the party. Uh, I mean, Ralph Northam yesterday dominated the youth vote. I mean, dominant, you know, one almost, I think, close to 70 percent. Is that right? Uh, I mean, just just just. 
an astounding share. Yeah. And, and yeah. a lot of Democrats are going to look at that and think that that is key. Mm-hmm. This is the, the age group, of course, that is the most turned off by President Trump, you know, to try to motivate them and then get them to vote democratic that that's going to be a key part of 2020 eric garcetti is certainly that new way among the he, new wave of young democratic leaders ab, ab, absolutely you know and i think he's going to have to convince people that he can do it but you know look logically you could say like los angeles is a bigger and more complicated place than most states yes that's not not an exaggeration you know in any way and he's been a good mayor of los he is a good mayor of los angeles and and that that in and of itself is a his feet. I've been there, living there a long time. I saw a lot of people didn't quite make it. Right, right. You know, he's going to have a, a connection to the Latino community there, and that's you know something that's going to be very important. Uh, I think in in twenty twenty. You know, look, if I were advising him, he would sit back and say, "Why not us?" You know, I mean, we're talking about Kamala Harris as maybe someone better positioned. I mean, she was just Attorney General last year. She's a senator. She hasn't been a senator for a year yet. Yeah. Um, why Why not? You know, she's going to be a considered a front runner. We should be there, too. Yeah. And then, of course, Mitch, uh, Mitch Landrieu from uh, from <laughs> New Orleans in the, in the line as well. It's a centrist it, Democrat's dream. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, it's always interesting, but even more intriguing after uh, yesterday's results. That's going to keep you busy for a while, Alex. Thank oh, you. Absolutely. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. I haven't seen you in a while. It's good to have you back. Yeah. Alex Ruerty is with McClatchy, McClatchy, D.C., McClatchyDC.com. Uh, and Matt Fuller from HuffPost joins us next with his take on uh, yesterday's astounding results. This doctor will be on call for the next four years. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash Show. What do you say, folks? Great to see you today. Wrapping up on this Wednesday, November 8th. It's a great day. It's a happy day. Happy days are here again with the big Democratic, big Democratic wins all across the nation uh, last night. Not just Virginia and New Jersey, but almost everywhere you look. Great to see you today. We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., brought to you today by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, the good men and women of the UFCW under uh, President Mark Perone. Uh, they put food on our table and serve us well whenever uh, we're out uh, shopping at uh, your local grocery store or supermarket. Uh, we salute them, thank them for their support, and direct you to their website to find out more about their good work at ufcw.org. Uh, joining us in studio from uh, the great HuffPost, Matt Fuller. Hello, Matt. Nice hey, to see you. Great. Good to see you guys. Covers Congress for HuffPost. We want to get into some of the breaking issues, but there are uh, a couple of stories that we haven't, that are important, that at least to mention, which you haven't yeah, had sure. a chance to yet today. Uh, one of them is, remember when Donald Trump pulled out of the um, Paris Accords, I was there in the Rose Garden when he made that announcement, it left the United States one of only three nations on the planet. That had not signed the Paris Accords. Uh, we were in company with uh, Syria and Nicaragua. Well, as if that's not bad enough, um, a few months ago, Nicaragua signed the Paris Accords, and yesterday, Syria did. So now we are alone in the world. Trailing Syria. Trailing, <laughs> Trailing Syria. Syria. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. 
uh, the only nation on the planet that has not signed the Paris Accords. Thank you, uh, Donald Trump. It's called leading from behind, I believe. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, 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 The other story is uh, the Department of Justice yesterday announced that they are dropping one of their most notorious lawsuits. They have they had filed or they had filed their charges. They had filed charges against a member of our great friends, Code Pink. Yeah. Um, and uh, this was a woman at the Jeff Sessions hearing where he said he was always proud to have represented all Americans. She laughed out loud, uh, and she was arrested by a rookie. Capitol Hill policeman. Were you at the hearing? I was not, no. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I'm very familiar with the situation. The yeah. situation. Yeah. And uh, and they were kind of embarrassed by filing this case, right? I think they ought to be pretty embarrassed. It's yeah. right. someone laughing is, is not protected speech or anything, right? Or, <laughs> right. or someone saying something that is, I think, laughable uh, in Jeff Sessions' case. Yeah, I don't know how that's you know a violation of anything. This was nuts, this was and, they, and the fact that they pursued nuts. it for as long for as so, they yeah. did it yeah. is, is like kind of horrifying. Yeah, they pursued. I think they lost the first round or something, and they were supposed yeah. to go back, and they finally just dropped the case, uh, so that it. I guess it proves you, Matt. This 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 is good for you. You can <laughs> laugh. And get away with it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I already do. <laughs> if you don't laugh, uh, you cry. If you didn't, you cry. Exactly. I love the photo. We'll get you up to it. Maybe we should put, could have put it out there of the of that the Code Pinkers that day. Code Pink members. Yeah. They're Look, the, oh, there's Medea. And there's our friend Medea Benjamin, of course, who's <laughs> a frequent guest on the show. Yeah. Right there, alongside of whichever of the women it is they, who laughed out loud. So, but that case has been uh, that case has been dropped. And I guess the other thing we should mention, which you haven't yet, sorry, Matt. No, we'll no. Get to it. We'll get to the tax reform <laughs> here in a second. Uh, is the, they will too. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, maybe. This um, th- this week's issue of the New Yorker has a follow-up piece on Ronan Farrow, who is the um, young man. It used to be at, what was it? MSNBC. It used to be at MSNBC. MSNBC. But he got this. He got this story about Harvey Weinstein and all these women accusing him not just of sexual harassment, sexual assault, including rape. Uh, and NBC didn't want to run the story. He took it to the New, U- New Yorker yeah. and wrote the first bombshell story. The follow-up story is this week uh, to the, ex- the extent to which Harvey Weinstein was willing to go to silence and suppress these stories and keep them out of pub- publication at all, hiring Private investigators, two different companies, including one that was made up of ex-Mossad members, uh, and tracking these women down and basically threatening them with not telling their story. Just yeah. how disgusting, right? Um, and his lawyer was with which they were obviously doing like counterintelligence on the New York Times, but the the lawyer himself representing Weinstein was also representing the New York Times. Yeah, <laughs> which seems like a conflict of interest, but oh, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, and that's coupled with the New York uh, District Attorney, I guess, or something, announcing that they're they're pursuing criminal charges against Harvey Weinstein, and could, that could be announced as early as next week uh, if they go forward. With By the way, you so, mentioned his lawyer. His lawyer that was David in on this Boys, was David right? Boyce, yeah. yeah, which we all remember. Yeah. <laughs> Notorious lawyer. Uh, and meanwhile, um, Congress is trying to ignore doing anything about guns so they can focus on tax reform. Let's start there. Yeah. Uh, your take. Uh, is the House going to pass a bill and will the Senate follow and just rubber stamp any House bill? So I think the House is going to pass a bill. Um, What's it going to look like? 
I think it looks generally like the bill we have out there right now, uh, which is essentially doubling the standard deduction, just short of doubling the standard deduction, let's be fair. Mm -hmm. uh, some Obviously, some individual rate cuts, a uh, massive cut to the corporate tax rate from 35 to 20, um, a pass-through rate, which is like... In, I mean, this is a big <laughs> debate, but who who or what is, should qualify for the pass-through rate, which is 25%, um, and there's a whole selection of things, uh, deductions that we currently have that they're eliminating. Um, it looks like every re Republicans are by and large on board with this. I think last night actually in some ways helps them, in some ways hurts them. Um, Republicans definitely want something to run on right now. Yeah. I think that's clear that there there's going to be a lot of Republicans today who are going to be like, this is just proof we got to get this done. And then there's going to be, I mean, the biggest fight right now is uh, the state and local tax state and local tax deduction, which lets you deduct or write off uh, these taxes, your local taxes. And it's a significant uh, write-off for states like New Jersey or New York and people with, with high-priced homes who are paying high property taxes from those mm -hmm. sort of municipalities. Um, the plan is to raise a bunch of money, in fact, like $1.3 and they've sort of reduced it, but Republicans wanted to raise the money to pay for a lot of this um, by essentially eliminating that tax cut, which is just raising taxes on people in blue states like New York, California, and New Jersey, um, and Illinois, and Virginia a little bit too. Mm -hmm. um, so you see, you're, what we have now is, and it, this, this tax affects people differently, so uh, each district has to make sort of a calculation, but... Um, in the House, they had sort of come to this agreement of, okay, you can write off $10,000 of it, um, which for some people is basically, you know, handling the situation. But for a lot of other districts where the average deduction is over $20,000, uh, you know, it's really not doing much for them. Their taxes are still going to get raised. And, and, and the other point is that why does someone in New Jersey not deserve as much of a tax cut as someone in Mississippi? Um, and this whole idea of, well, they're fiscally responsible. Well, you know, New Jersey's a donor state and Mississippi's not. They're getting 25% of their state mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. budget from the federal government. So this has been a whole fight, but I, I think you have a lot of actually kind of key votes like Barbara Comstock from Virginia who are going to look at last night's election and say, hey, maybe I can't be so on board with leadership. I have to actually fight for my constituents here. Uh, we, we're certainly seeing this play out with the California delegation because California is obviously pretty adversely affected, or at least they're not as they're not benefiting as much as a lot of these other states and these California Republicans, there's two opportunities to vote against a budget that was setting this up. Uh, they voted against neither of them. No, not a single California Republican did. Whereas mm -hmm. New York and New Jersey were sort of where the opposition was kind of coming from for those first two votes. Um, you might see a lot of those guys who are vulnerable, right? Because the other, the, the other irony of these salt states and these districts is that a lot of them are vulnerable. They're in the blue states. Um, it's going to be if you're raising taxes on your constituents, that's that's a problem come next November. Sure, sure. It's already. We, I think Republicans today are thinking, hey, we might have a problem in general. Right. Um, and then certainly this is this looked like it was going to try to get worse in the Senate. The Senate didn't want to have any sort of clawback uh, with the ten thousand dollars that you can mm -hmm. deduct. They just wanted to completely eliminate it. Uh, that would seem. And, and frankly, this is like a, a classic Senate versus House problem because you just don't have many senators from these states who are uh, Republicans, whereas you do have Republican members of, in, in the House. Um, so the idea was to screw the, the House guys and just, you know, whatever. And now it's like, well, can we really afford to do that when you have over 20 or, you know, maybe even 30, if you want to really get into the numbers here, that are might be pretty adversely affected by a cut like that. 
Well, so when you get to the Senate, whatever comes out of the House gets to the Senate. Um, we're we're they're they're talking about doing this under um, reconciliation, reconciliation, yeah. uh, which means they need fifty-one votes. Okay, or fifty with or fifty, with right? Yeah. So let's say fifty. They've got fifty-two. Mm-hmm. Not. Uh, not every Republican is on board. Let's we'll put the Democrats aside for now. Can they count on fifty-two Republicans? I think the number. There's a pathway there. This is a lot easier than than healthcare. I think right now. Um, Are there any definite no Republicans? No definite no's. I, I and I and I I think you know you have Bob Corker who's who's saying he has some debt issues, but um, I wouldn't count on him being the guy to stop this. Um, Susan Collins. Now she's someone who could. Rand Paul has has made a lot of um, interesting sort of demands, but ultimately this is a huge tax cut, and I think that he's going to be there for that. He 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 really doesn't want to see anyone's taxes raised, um, but we'll see how you know that plays. Uh, mm-hmm. Ted Cruz is sort of has some some objections, and um, I think that a lot of his funders uh, they they have a lot of little carve outs on the corporate side that they might want to see. But again, he's in a sort of Retained. tough. McCain could be. I mean, um, if he doesn't like the process, uh, the other the other aspect of this is, and it's still a bit of an open question, is there's been a lot of chatter about adding the individual repeal to this, right? Um, so repealing the mandate that you have oh. to have health care oh, in this. Right, and, and right. Well, that's what Trump wants. But that's what I, Trump wants. And there's and there's the idea of it is you can have some savings. Uh, the CBO initially said it would save four hundred billion over ten years, so that would pay for a lot of tax cuts. They're going to revise that. Uh, it's going to be a little bit less than that, but um, essentially, you could pay for a lot of the more tax cuts by repealing that, and that's attractive to a lot of guys. I know Tom Cotton is really pushing for that in the Senate. Um, but if you do that, then you that get really hazy. Can yeah, absolutely, and right. they know that too. And, and obviously, there's a rhetorical argument that you're paying for tax cuts by cutting people's health care. Yeah. Um, How about Jeff Flake? Is he a known? Yeah, I, yes I think. Or no? I mean, I think Jeff Flake. This is the thing about the Republicans is that they really do believe in tax cuts. Uh, I've been asking for over, I think it's about two months or so, do tax cuts pay for themselves? I went back and asked them, do the Bush tax cuts pay for themselves, which we have empirical evidence in it. Definitively did, did not. Did not. Did not. Um, right. But if you ask them, I, I, I struggle to find Republicans who actually will say, yeah, no, they did not pay for themselves. Most of them believe that. They did and actually paid for more than themselves. That we We created revenue from the Bush tax cuts, which is just a complete fiction. Uh, unless you believe the economy would have totally cratered in 2001, 2003, if in the absence of these tax cuts, and it just does not seem like that was the case. No, but they keep repeating that myth, and that uh, right. ever since the days of Ronald Reagan, maybe before that even, uh, right, and, and, you and go, the empirical and it, evidence is all on the other side. The the author of uh, of the book Reaganomics, Bruce Bartlett, who yeah, uh, right. was a, I mean, he in, in essence, helped write the, the Reagan yes. tax cuts in '81. He said, you know, he had a, a Washington Post op-ed. You know, I helped create the myth that tax cuts pay for themselves. They don't, and it's just, it's just, they don't. I mean, you hear a lot of Republicans cite the 1981 tax cuts as, you know, I asked them when was the last tax cut that paid for itself. Well, 1981. Well, you know, no, by by the administration's <laughs> yeah, right. own yeah. admission, it didn't. And in fact, they raised taxes for consecutive years after that to combat mm-hmm. that rate cut. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, and the question of twenty uh, impact on twenty eighteen. Last night, um, you could see where Republicans could say, "Well, now it's all the more important that we have some win for sure in twenty eighteen." And leadership will definitely say that they'll to give you, us something to run ha- on. Right, we right. have to. Yeah, it just can't be we're here. You know, 
and I and I think that's a I think that's an effective argument for most members. I certainly think that there are members. But, but where, if there one thing to run on is we raised your taxes or right, right. You know, in in particularly some certain states, right? You're going to pay up more, to, and or and and or we pass tax cuts that's going to benefit the top one percent and the big corporations, but not you. Not necessarily something that would have run. And on. this and this tax cut isn't exactly very popular right now. I mean, it, it's polling at sort of weird spots. I think it will actually get a little bit more popular as we go, just because, um, for, by and large, people are going to get a tax cut uh, in most places in most states, uh, depending on your individual situation. Uh, I did notice that Steve Scalise, the uh, majority whip yesterday, arrived at I think what which is going to be the Republican talking point, which is. We're cutting taxes, quote, at every income level. And they are at every income level. But in your individual tax situation, your taxes could go up. There's, there's also the, the, the um, uh, brag uh, that they make, which is that particularly from the Trump White House, I believe, that if we cut this corporate tax rate from 35 to 20, it's going to put $4,000 in the pocket of every middle class family. Yeah, and that's a, a, an that's odd from, talking point. What's his point. name, uh, the, the head of the... Uh, I mentioned him before. I beat him on the golf course once. Anyhow, <laughs> okay. Okay. Are you Trump now? <laughs> yeah. He's been saying this for Terrible golfer. <laughs> yeah. All day game. bogeys, yeah. That's a short game. <laughs> right. Uh, 25 or 30. Every time I see him on TV, I remember that. But he was so embarrassed that I beat him. Because um, I'm a bad golfer, right? As Peter could tell you. Uh, but this, this idea that $4,000 every every middle class time is going to get, I mean, baloney, right? Yeah, and and the statistic is weird too because it's it's not every person's going to get four thousand dollars. Not like the in fact you know the Bush tax cuts we we people got taxed got the checks right. Yeah, uh, not yeah, that it stimulated right. much, but um, in this situation is a an average, which if you know if you took a remedial math class in fifth grade, you know that you want to go by medians in this situation. Uh, and B, it's 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 basically the 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 statistic is saying. Um, citing like the jobs created and things like that. And right. uh, the other funny thing is that, you know, the Tax Foundation, which is a very Republican-friendly um, organization, a nonprofit that sort of analyzes these these things, they said even in their dynamic scoring situation, this would still cost a trillion dollars, right? even after you account for mm. the, the increased economic growth. And they also said, and Republicans brag without blushing about this, that they would create uh, a million jobs or 975,000 jobs. Well, I'm not, again, I don't know math very well, but a trillion dollars, right, divided by a million jobs, I think that's a a million goes into a million, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, is someone, I I know, uh, you might know this dog on, on Twitter, Southpaw, he pointed out that you could pay people to dig holes and fill them in for 10 years at these, you know. Yeah pretty good salaries uh, and you'd create more jobs or, or you know, at better, I mean, what's the, you know, what, I, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out how this is a brag and, and they, for with a straight yeah. face, think, hey, this is a million jobs. Well, how many jobs were created under the Obama administration, you know, um, and Trump in his first year here, right? He, he's bragging about creating a million jobs. The economy is already at 3%. You hear Republicans say, we mm-hmm. need to do this to get the economy at 3%. Uh, it seems to me that, you know, the richest one percent is doing pretty well. The stock market's doing pretty well. Uh, GDP growth is at a pretty good clip right now. Corporate profits all time high. Corporate profits all time high, right? So we're going to basically cut their rate in half. Right? Uh, it's 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 sort of a funny argument, and I think that that is the one thing that um, the public is sort of getting here. And 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 by the way, there's still a debt consideration. I mean, you know, yes, 
Yeah. Uh, we're at $20 trillion, and this is going to add to debt for tax cuts. Well, they talk one and a half or two trillion? They, they by law, by the, by the budget, they can increase the debt by $1.5 trillion, but then you have uh, some other, I mean, this is gets into the sort of wonkiness of this, but A, you're paying interest on the debt, right? And then there's um, every, there's this idea that when you have tax cuts and they are not paid for, they're just financed by more debt. There's a crowding out of investment on the later end, so it actually hurts the economy in some ways. Uh, on the less wonky end of that, though, it also undercuts and undoes decades of Republican, oh. uh, you know, uh, messaging. Yeah, they don't think so, though. I mean, they. they I mean, it does. No. Tax cuts, <laughs> I know they don't think tax so. cuts yeah. pay for themselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we have to do this because the debt is twenty trillion. Right. I mean, if yeah. you hear them, um, they, they say they, this is our way of bringing down the debt. We with cut a the straight taxes. face. Yeah, and the growth is going to occur. I, 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 with not too much time left, I do want to jump to the other issue, which is you would think that maybe. Uh, they might be distracted from working on tax reform because a couple of things in the last 35 days might have brought some attention to the issue of gun safety. Uh, Paul Ryan was on Laura Ingram um, last night, and he he talked about here are the Republican plans for how to deal with this issue of gun safety. People who do not have faith don't understand faith, I guess I'd have to say. And it is the right thing to do is to pray in moments like this because, you know, what prayer works. And I know you believe that, and I believe yep. that. And when you hear the secular left doing this thing, no wonder you've got so much polarization and disunity in this country when people think like that. So prayer works. That's the answer, right? For uh, it, it, you know, well, to, to lot, for, for those people Las who Vegas, are in the a church, or, to the yeah, church, right. Yeah, prayer works. Uh, mm-hmm. The other, you know, I think this was a telling moment yesterday. Uh, they had a press conference, and and basically every Republican who came up, Paul Ryan, uh, Kathy McMorris-Rogers, Steve Scalise, they, uh, Kevin McCarthy, they all pivoted from sort of the thoughts and prayers for these gun victims um, to, and this is why we need to give people tax cuts, which is a funny, like, literally the yeah. segue for Kathy McMorris-Rogers was, you know, this is thoughts and prayers and it's about hope. And what we're trying to do is, as Republicans is give people hope in the form of a tax cut. And, like, it, you know, it's just such naked, um, one, one size fits all messaging that they just, they're, they're, going to ignore this as the, and, and effectively they, they already have i mean this is yeah. years long but this latest shooting there's there's no real call right now i mean there are calls on the democratic side but they're just not going to do these things um you know i mean after vegas there was a, there was at least a bipartisan call to get rid of bump stock right How long, that, that right. was 35 days ago right and it's already gone right, right? i mean they've already dropped it in, in not essence, one hearing yeah no and and uh the funny thing is, right again, Paul Ryan was like, you know, I've never, I'm a, I'm a outdoorsman. I've never heard of these bump stocks, and I think that was the case for a lot of Republicans. And and frankly, when you hear you're turning a semi-automatic weapon into effectively a, right a machine gun, uh, there was a lot of support for that. And then sort of the NRA got in there and sort of started gumming up the works. Uh, and that's you know, I I just don't see that that issue returning anytime soon. Right. And and so nothing happened after Las Vegas, and nothing's going to happen now. Pretty much, Men. yeah. I think that's the I think that's the safe bet. I I don't understand. I mean, Jane, uh, I know you cover more of the House than the Senate, but John Cornyn and Roy Blunt, I think, issued or introduced some bill yesterday to to deal with um, background checks, mm-hmm. which is an important issue. Here's Roy Blunt talking about it. This seems to be an area where there is bipartisan support to come in and fix the background check system to make sure that we keep firearms out of the hands of convicted felons, people with mental illness, people who commit domestic violence and the like. Uh, 
you know, I mean, again, that's an important issue. That's one area that really needs fixing. But um, if they didn't do the bump stocks, I don't see how they're going to do the background checks either. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, he might be right. Um, just and because... I don't trust John Cornyn. No, I wouldn't. I... As the author, <laughs> but but I will say that the Republicans do seem to make a distinction between actual physical weapons and the things that lead you to this. And 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 in fact, I mean, if you want to talk gun control, um, generally these th- the, the measures like background checks are more effective in preventing these things. I mean, we don't see that many shootings with bump stocks. We do see a lot of shootings with handguns. Right. Yes. Um, so and controlling- with assault rifles. And assault, well, I guess, yeah, yeah. But with controlling who has those weapons is a, definitely an effective uh, way of controlling, you know, <laughs> gun violence in this country that we're not really addressing or taking the steps toward. We saw um, another um, member of the Republican caucus yesterday announced he's not going to run for re-election. L- Frank, Frank Lobiondo, yeah. Who is, I think, going to be a no on tax reform. His his district definitely is one that's affected by... But he's also, I think, a Republican. He's sort of an old-school Republican. He's been yeah, here forever. Right. But there's uh, a, a good number of Republicans now who have, in the House, who've said... Yeah, I think it's. Stepping aside, uh, right? I mean, if you count if you count the guys who had to resign because of uh, entering the Trump's administration, I think it's over twenty now. Uh, we've seen uh, hmm. Jeb Hensarling of Texas hmm. say he, he's out. I think there's you know a lot of most recently, but a lot of Republicans I think are, are are looking at it and reading the tea leaves here a little bit and saying, and this is actually a pretty good indicator generally of of how gains in the House of which you know uh, which party is sort of resigning. I don't want to go through this or this isn't very much fun for me. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot more of it to come. And by the way, last night didn't help. I was going to say help. last yeah. night might give a few more, uh, you know, yeah, a reason, reason to think, to, yeah, to, to think about whether or not it's worth, for sure, worth the fight. All right, Matt, enough to keep you busy for sure. Thanks so much for coming <laughs> in you. today. Yeah. Uh, Matt Fuller is at HuffPost, HuffPost.com, uh, of course. And uh, that's it for us on this Wednesday. The rest of the day is yours. Make the most of it. And then come on back and see us again tomorrow morning. We'll be looking for you. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars. But as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.